Welcome to the Invisible India podcast. I'm Jessica. And I'm Abhishek. We are a cross-cultural couple doing life in India, exploring the lesser-known mysteries of Indian culture, interviewing fascinating figures who have chartered new territories, and sharing life as we raise our multicultural family amongst the complexities of modern Indian life. Before we get into our episode, we're going to start with reading a comment from uh, a listener. And I want to start doing this because I think it's fascinating when people write into us about their stories, about their lives, and how the podcast is having an impact on them or bringing up questions for them. So this is from Sarah. She says, I'm intrigued by your cross-cultural relationship because I'm Caucasian Canadian who is dating an incredible Gujarati man. I don't know anyone else in a similar situation. In your list of episodes, I haven't seen any which directly connect how Jessica as an American relates to Abhishek's Indian family, and I would love to hear about that. I think that's probably a topic for a a whole other episode. In a sense, I think we try to sprinkle that into most of our episodes. We talk a little bit about family. We talk a little bit about adjustment process. But I, I think that that's a great question, and we'd definitely be happy to knock that out in one episode. Just to answer in the shortest possible way that I can, I think that for me, I had um, exposure to Indian culture before I met Abhishek, and he had exposure to Western culture before he met me. We both knew that there was going to be a huge adjustment that needed to be made from both sides. So I think we just went in with that attitude of learning and being willing to adjust and make changes. So let's dive into our topic for this week. A few weeks ago, we got back from Central or Eastern Europe, as some call it. Some of you who are from there, you can tell us how you prefer that region of the world to be classified where Abhishek had a meeting, and it just so aligned with Diwali Chuti and another local festival that also gives us a number of days off. Basically, in 18 days, we hit six countries, five currencies, eight hotels, and I don't know how many languages. It was intense, right? Yes, it was very intense and uh, intentional. (laughs) <laughs> uh, it was a part of the world that I had never really seen before or imagined what it was going to be like. Well, I had imagined what it was going to be like, but it was another thing to be there and experience it ourselves. It was the right weather, I believe. It was the right climate to be there. I think it was not, wasn't very cold, but it was just cold enough that we could manage coming from India, having enough uh, winter clothes to do it. We were definitely not as prepared for the winter because it doesn't get that cold where we live in India, but... Uh, it was on the colder side in uh, October. I think I was just really amazed by how developed it, it is. Just seeing another part of Europe because I have, I'm still exploring what Europe is like and been to England. That's it, England and Finland. So it, this it, was you were in Italy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That that, and I've been to Madrid for a few hours. But uh, it, it's nice to see. Uh, another part of the world. Yeah, it was a blessing to be uh, to be able to go. Yeah, it wasn't relaxing, right? <laughs> but it was a total blast, and we all had a very enriching experience. 
I couldn't really figure out how to synthesize the information from our trip. So I'm just going to talk about its personal effects on us. And as I thought about it, I realized that other Indian people or people from this region who visit Europe might enjoy hearing this. Maybe people who are in cross-cultural relationships might enjoy hearing about the things that we learned and observed while we were there. Yeah, there are that plenty Yeah, there are plenty of travel bloggers out there that have all these really nice YouTube channels that give a lot more information. So we want to talk about some of the cultural aspects and observations that we made as yeah. a cross-cultural family. Just to preface, we were at the point where we really needed a vacation, and it just so aligned with Abhishek's work trip. So basically we were coming at this not from taking a two-week vacation from our work where we're flying from America somewhere else in Europe where we're just popping in for a couple of weeks. You know, we're coming from a really different society here. We're pretty embedded in our lives here in the part of India we live in. Things like toy stores that are well-organized are just overwhelming for us and for our kids. Things like efficient public transportation where it's not crowded are kind of overwhelming and a huge treat for us. So this is the kind of things that we were looking for. And I think one of the major things that we were really hoping for was to be reminded that the rest of the world doesn't function like our corner of India. We don't leave India that frequently. So it was really, that was kind of something we were looking forward to being reminded of. Our itinerary we started out in our city, and then we flew to Delhi. One yeah. day in Delhi. We were in Warsaw for, I would say, 24 hours with all the transportation that we had to do. So we got to see, like, the downtown area of Warsaw. We got to just eat some local food. Pierogies. Pierogies ones. Enjoyed ourselves for a few hours. It was basically taking rest to catch our next flight. And we had an Airbnb that we had booked. I don't know. It's one of the things to think about. Is like we have a pretty low budget travel generally. So basically, we it, it, it takes time to hunt down a decent place that is still whatever, like quite affordable for three and a half pers- people, family. So yeah. So it's, it's a, it was one of those deals. Definitely... Parts of Eastern Europe and Central Europe are not as cheap anymore. That's what I have been told. It's definitely cheaper than Western Europe, but definitely not uh, as cheap as like East Asia or Southeast Asia countries like Thailand, Malaysia, and places like that, or Vietnam, Cambodia, Laos, whatever it is, or India for that matter. In India, you can still find pretty decent deals. You could find in Delhi an Airbnb for twenty, thirty dollars a night whereas like he, a decent one decent one yeah yeah 40 dollars 30 20 to 40 dollars you can find a decent deal and if you're a single person then yeah definitely but if you even if with a family you can find something along those lines but in eastern europe you have to see more like 60 50 to 60 or 70 whatever so dollars Dollars. dollars. U- U.S. dollars, yeah. U.S. dollars, which is, yeah, you can convert it. You're, if you're an Indian, you know how to convert currency in your mind because your math is really good. And just like so. a, and just like a good Indian, the first thing you talked about on this podcast was how to find the cheapest stuff possible. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, son. Appreciate it. Yeah. So basically, four places we went to, Warsaw, Budapest, Vienna, and Prague. I think Prague is the most touristy 
and then v then it will be vienna and then it will be budapest and then it will be warsaw mm-hmm. in in that in that order yeah so basically what the, do you mean by touristy touristy meaning like gobs and gobs and people lots of like flocks of people from different countries flocking to these you know monuments and doing instagram and facebook pictures and basically you know I, I noticed a lot of Chinese and Japanese tourists as well as everybody else. Uh, a few Indian tourists. Um, I, I did notice that there were a few Indians who are working in all of these cities, in uh, most likely in IT. I did not see as many business people like running shops or stores. And that might be, oh, of course, the Indian restaurants are owned by Indians or ne- Nepalese people or Bangladeshis or Pakistanis. But there's a phenomenon that even if it is a Bangladeshi rest, Bangladeshis running it or Pakistanis running a restaurant, they still call it Indian restaurant, <laughs> which is people are more familiar with Indian food than Pakistani or Bangladeshi. Or that's what I noticed. Uh, quite a few Indians working mm-hmm. in IT or traveling through or live in like Germany and they're just traveling to Budapest, Prague, Vienna, Warsaw, or they own a restaurant or work in IT, like one of the big companies. So we started in Warsaw. And after Warsaw, we had our meetings in Budapest. Abhishek was in his meetings, and then I would take the kids out during the day and do kid-friendly type of activities, which I found Budapest had amazing kid-friendly activities. So all kinds of things from Margaret Hill to Janos Hill to Children's Museum, Science Museum, Tropicarium. So some of these things for us were just over-the-top incredible. I mean, because we're coming from India, we don't have the kinds of amazing aquariums that you can maintain when you're in a Western country and you have constant power and you don't have heat all the time making things moldy. And, you know, so it was just really fun for us to get to do some of these things and get to travel the transit without a lot of crowd or headache and things like that. So this was really fun. After Budapest, we headed to... Vienna. And Vienna was a, is a German-speaking city. Getting to Vienna is quite easy because there are multiple buses and trains. We preferred bus because the trains were not aligning. And sometimes the cheaper option might be bus, and sometimes the cheap, it, it might be the same. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, they're both comfortable. But I would say if you have to choose between the two to go for the train... But bus was comfortable enough for all of us, and they give you seats for the children anyway, and children's seats are usually discounted or free, actually. And everything is really comfortable, clean, so we enjoyed that part of it because not many things are clean or comfortable in India. However, if you make something uncomfortable or unclean, people are not very gracious. So, for example... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. On one of the buses, they give you coffee or hot cocoa. We had four drinks, and we have two little kids, and basically two hot chocolates poured from the little tray all over the floor, all over the seat, and all over us. So you would think that they would have things to, like, towels to clean up messes if they're handing out drinks with open lids, but apparently they don't. So we asked the lady to come over and she looked at us like we were the biggest nuisance 
That was one of the major observations that we had. Things don't go exactly perfectly to plan, or if you mess something up, you know, people are not very nice about it. People are, I don't think people were rude necessarily in all of these places. I'm not going to say make such a general statement. That was one thing that was not tolerated well, was messes or kids, you know, making noise or being messy. Moving to Vienna, we were in Vienna for what three days? It was really cold. A few days, a couple of days, short time, and um, yeah, we stayed in a Arab neighborhood. Every pretty much everyone was from the Arab world. It was again an Airbnb, and we had some issues with it, but it was all right overall. It was a good location. It was right next to the train station, so we could just walk to the train and go right into the city center. And uh, while we were there, we visited a couple of places. One was the Schönborn uh, Palace. Schönborn Palace, yeah. Yeah, Schönborn Palace, and Schönborn Palace was pretty great. We went to this kids' museum thing that that they had inside. More than half the time, we end, end up doing things that kids can also do or specifically for kids. This was a good thing. Pretty much throughout this trip, we did not go to any museum inside where you would walk or read what what the the art or you know artifact is about we didn't do any of that but we you know amazingly we hit all the major spots and some of the unknown spots even while we were we had some constraints with kids so it's the way you craft your itineraries the way you think about what is important to you what's not important to you and there's a balance that we try to go for where we're not doing only kids things and kids don't assume that we will only be doing kids things plus not always eating like budget food but also once in a while eating more sit-down meals so basically it's just all a balance and it's all like the way we do it is that's like the philosophy of doing it like basically you want to be able to see a place and experience the culture but but and you can only do so much two days three days uh, it's just a very surface level understanding of a place but we, we we still get a feel for it because we live in a different culture and have lived in different culture so basically we we, we are thinking along those terms and i think if we had only lived in one culture and then go to another culture, then you will not pick up as many things. I think there is a thing to be said about developing your cultural intelligence. Um, I think a lot more people are more culturally intelligent than I am, or we are, but but also like I, I, I do think that our brains work in this direction where we are in a in a different place and we are comparing or we are allowing things to be the way they are and not always comparing there is also that element where you have to let things be the way they are and allow it to stand on its own ground mm. so not always comparing either with india or america or whatever i think that's an art or discipline that is really good for our world understanding things where they're at in that context and not always comparing. A few days is enough to to experience some of it. But again, like I, I, I wish I can stay in all these places for at least three months, at least six months to, to really get a feel for it and to the language. Because language, of course, if you don't know the language, you do not know the culture. On our 
philosophy, you know, we definitely try to stay not right into the city center, a little bit outside where some normal people live. We try to rub shoulders a little bit with normal people that live there, not just tourists. And as you've probably noticed, we're not just going around looking for the best Instagram photos to take. We really try to get in and and do fun activities. I do most of the booking for all the places where we're going to be staying and how far it is from different places or from my meeting or whatever it is we usually most of our travels surround around meetings that I have or things that we are already doing work related and then we take a couple of days to explore around it I do all the logistics how are we going to craft our itinerary and flights and all of that right and then I plan a lot of the outings and activities and things for the kids I do the packing I try to make sure that we're including fun things for the kids to do in between so that they don't get bored and restless. And then Abhishek plans the food. So where we're going to eat, what we're going to eat, what we have to eat. Those are all things that he's really concerned about. So (laughs) from Vienna, we went by train to Prague. I was so impressed with the train system. The trains are incredible. The trains are so efficient, even for short distances. They're clean. They're they have everything you would need. The food actually was really good. On the, the trains we took in cheap. Abhishek booked us the children's car. I have too many good things to say about the children's cars. It was so fun. They had a TV in there, which we were like trying to figure out how to turn off so our kids weren't mindlessly droning on and watching TV for hours, but we couldn't really do anything about that. <laughs> But they had toys in there. You didn't have to sit in your seat the whole time. You really get up and move around. There were other people inside the car that you could kind of talk to and other kids a lot of times were sitting there. So that was really, really nice. When we got to Prague, it felt like a very different city from from everywhere else we had visited. The tourist area of Prague was just huge. It's very compact. Tourist area of Prague, which which you will find out, listen to any YouTube video or read anything about Prague. Prague is uh, basically a walkable city and a lot of cobblestone walks and things are compact and you could cover most of the central places to see within an hour or two of walking. If you are in, in the right health to walk, then I think that's the best way to explore. You could take taxi and stuff, but it'll probably be more headache to do that. You And you won't be able to see the stores or things along the street. Even our five-year-old walked the entire time. I mean, one day he walked... 16 wa- kilometers. He, one day he walked 16 kilometers, which is like nine miles. Ten miles. Ten miles, something. And he, he only complained once. I mean, it was just so fascinating. There was so much to do, so much to see that and so many snacks really that's kind of how we kept our kids motivated okay let's keep walking we get some fries snacks there's so many different snacks and delicious things to eat along the way that did not eat much of local food honestly though but all the fast food local fast food we ate but we did not eat it one every place we went we tried to have one meal that's like a traditional restaurant where you would have Food that uh, people eat in their homes, in their, you know, like when their grandparents and parents get together, that kind of food. And that food was not my favorite, of course, because I 
because <laughs> because it doesn't have much spices or doesn't have a lot of strong flavor. But it was for for what it was, it was it 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 always gives me again the principle of letting things be as they are and enjoying them in their own original and not comparing. Since we're talking about food, a lot of the food, of course, is I don't know how else to say, but like meat and potatoes type of stuff in in this part of Europe. Pastries and coffee, of course. So if you don't like that kind of stuff or if you're a vegetarian, you definitely have to do some searching to find good stuff. There is modern food everywhere. There's like Right. Yeah. Budapest, Prague, they are I think the gastronomy of these places are at par with any big cities in Europe or America. Like the you will have amazing burger places and uh, you will have pizza places everywhere yeah. and you have uh, Arab food like a kebab that's not an American as big of an American thing maybe big cities in America like New York LA maybe has some of the or Detroit has some of, a lot of this but there I would notice how many kebab places were there in Vienna most parts of Europe that drinking alcohol is totally normal so you'll find people just having one glass of wine or nice beer or something with their dinner and um so that's something just to be aware of if you're if you don't drink or whatever it's not like you don't you have to but it's just very normal and since we're talking about drinking let's talk about smoking everybody knows in general europeans smoke a lot more than americans canadians etc my goodness not trying to be judgy or anything but man we had a really hard time with the smoke it was people were just smoking everywhere and even at the place we stayed we had some issues with with smoke so if you're staying in an airbnb just to say in europe it's not required for anyone to write smoking unless they specifically say that it's non-smoking you can assume that it is a smoking airbnb so just something to be aware of it did not feel like it was a very kid-friendly environment at all. We don't expect people to cater to our kids everywhere we go. Uh, you know, they need to learn to sit quietly, and they need to learn to be obedient, and they learn to need to learn not to throw fits and things. But just normal things like being a child, you know, dropping your French fry on the ground or, you know, being curious about something inside of a store or wanting to look at the menu and look at the pictures and decide what you want to see when it's, you know, up high and you're trying to, you know, climb up on a chair to look at it. I mean, these are things that are kind of normal for kids to do. People in, in many situations just seemed aghast at children and maybe the way our kids were <laughs> behaving. We have two strikes against us, I suppose. Number one is I'm in America. Kind of, we're just louder people than Europeans in general, especially that part of Europe. And then secondly, our kids are being raised in India where you don't get anything done unless you're kind of asserting yourself, interrupting, being a bit, I don't want to say rowdy, but you know, you have to make yourself and your presence known. Otherwise, you're going to fade into the other billion people in the crowd. Those were some things that we noticed we had to help our kids to tone down a little bit. And they did kind of eventually figure it out near the end of the trip. But that was a bit stressful for us. And this is probably one of the biggest takeaways I had from the trip. And being a cross-cultural couple, we did not see many cross-cultural couples 
in these places because i think language barrier is a big thing a lot, lot of people cannot have long conversations in english unlike germany and netherlands some other countries that speak english very fluently everyone could 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 speak some which is amazing but i we didn't notice a lot of cross cultural couples in these places and some of you who are listening we know who you are who live in these countries and are married to Indians, we just want to say a special salute to you. Thanks for listening to our podcast, and please critique us and let us know if we've got any of this stuff wrong <laughs> about your country. <laughs> mm-hmm. But but it's just a perception, it's just experience for that for being there for that time period in that part of the year and in those neighborhoods. So things could be very different in other neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was the first or the second day when we were in a park. My kids were the only kids yelling in the park. And they weren't yelling angrily. They're like, hey, mama, mama, you that out, mama, you know, look at this. Mama, dekho ida dekhiye, mama, meg slide pe ja rao, meg jula jula you know, they were just talking excitedly and people weren't staring at us, but I noticed we were the only ones that were even making a peep. It's like, what? Are, what is, what, how do these people, how do these people do this? <laughs> Why are they so quiet? When did the kids yell and run around? And I, I don't know, someone, you know, please let us know if you're from one of these places we visited and how do you manage your kids in public? How do you manage your kids at the park, in restaurants? I just, I did not understand because clearly we weren't doing what was culturally appropriate by letting our children express how much they liked the sandwich they were eating or whatever. And so we had some people actually even complain about us. And there was one really grouchy guy that complained about us because our kids were excited about their food and it was just sad. I don't know why that is. I, I wonder if it's because of the individualistic culture, if it's, you know, declining birth rate, or people just aren't taking their kids out as much, people aren't having as many kids, or is it just that we were in the, some of the touristy areas and people don't take their children there? I'm not really sure. Is it because we're a mixed-race couple and people are looking at us weird? I really don't know how to determine people's looks or comments or giving us the side eye. <laughs> now, give that to say, we did meet some really nice people. So I want to give hats off to the wonderful, nice people that we met that helped us and were able to give us some tips and advice. Some takeaways, I would say, just major from the trip. After Prague, we went through Slovakia for just one day. We went back to Budapest, finished our time there. Just some takeaways from the trip. I would say that we definitely noticed you know, food culture is important, drink culture is important, being aware of the environment seems to be quite important. People respect their culture, they want to retain their culture and language, and yet be global at the same time. And uh, again, you know, some of the other observations were about kids. It did not really seem to be as kids-friendly of a place. In fact, as soon as we got back to India, I noticed how different it was. We got into the Delhi airport, and we were walking through the duty-free area, and there was an maybe eight, nine, ten-year-old child sprawled on the floor, kicking and screaming for a uh, chupa-chup, a lollipop. Scream, mama, what you did? And there was a crowd of parents and aunties and uncles. They were all, you know, you know, they're swinging a chocolate in his face, trying to get him to calm down. The other one had a phone. They're trying to show him the YouTube to calm down. He's just not having it. I was like, all right, we're back. You know, just the kind of like, kids are allowed to be kids. Kids are allowed to express themselves. And again, maybe you think that's too wild. I mean, I think that's too wild, but just kids are, are really allowed to be kids in some ways. 
in India, and I love that. And I just noticed that in Europe, people seem to be a lot more just quiet, reserved when it came to being in public. That was another observation. Anything else you noticed, babe? No, I think people were very reserved. I've heard of this in Scandinavian countries that people don't smile or don't talk as much or don't really start a conversation. I mean, I guess if if you live in India or if you've lived in America, if those are your only two um, only two examples to compare a culture with, then um, then yeah, then it becomes difficult to understand Europe because Europe is its own thing. And people have their own temperament and own, own socialization and own cultural values uh, that have formed over the years. And they are probably different in each decade, probably. But language barrier being one, as, as I mentioned, the place, the architecture and the beauty of the place is so amazing. And uh, there's great gastronomy, food, street uh, food or whatever, like, you know, the stuff that is there. I will have to say, honestly, that we, it was not always easy outside of the tourist areas to converse with people or, again, there were a few people we could do it with. It's hard, hard, hard for us to know exactly what, why it was like that. But, but uh, we don't expect anyone, I mean, people to speak English when we go anywhere. It's not like we go to someone else's country and expect them to speak English. Oh, or, my family doesn't speak English. Right. So why would exactly. So I so why would we expect that somewhere else? Just know that that's where we're coming from when we say that. You know, we're really excited to learn and take in different aspects of the, the culture. So we felt like 18 days was a wonderful was a wonderful view on this part of the world. We would love to hear your comments and questions. And if you're from this part of the world, Eastern, Central Europe, let us know what your observations are about what we said if we're totally off, especially if you have connections with India, it's so interesting to see how these two really different parts of the world can merge. Please leave your comments, leave a review, 